As someone who provides online health coaching services, I'm always really interested to see what others are doing in the same area. So when my health insurance company invited me to download their free wellness app to help me manage my health, I decided to check it out. It did not go well. All right. All right, everyone, take your seats or lace up your sneaks. We're about to get started. Welcome to the Change Academy podcast. I'm your host, Monica Reinagel, and in this show, we talk about what it takes to create healthier mindsets and habits in our own lives, as well as how we can create healthier communities and workplaces. Whether you're working on your own health and well-being or promoting healthy behaviors is your job, we're going to talk about what works, what's hard, what's needed, and what's next. Let's jump in. Before I dig into today's topic, I wanted to share some information about something that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. I'm going to be running one of my 30-day nutrition upgrade programs next month, starting on November 8th. And I know many of you listening have done this program with me in the past, but if you're new around here, this is a really fun group challenge that's a great way to improve your eating habits in a flexible and sustainable way. So, If anyone listening is looking for a little boost of inspiration and accountability as we head into the winter holidays, I hope you'll join us. You can get more information and register to participate by going to changeacademypodcast.com slash upgrade. But I also want to issue a special invitation to any of you who are listening who are yourselves health coaches or fitness trainers to join me for this upgrade as a coaching partner. We did this last year. We had about a half a dozen other health coaches invite their followers to the party, and we created this sort of meta coaching community. It was super fun for the participants, and from what they told me, it was really valuable for the partner coaches as well, especially you fitness professionals. I know you get asked a lot of questions about nutrition, And this may sometimes feel like it's a little outside your scope of practice. And this is a way to offer some additional evidence-based nutrition guidance to your folks. You'll be a hero, and I will be available throughout that program to field their nutrition questions. So if you are a coach or a fitness trainer or a podcaster, and you'd like to partner with me to offer this program to your audience or your clientele, drop me an email at hello at changeacademypodcast.com, and we'll set up a time to chat about how we can make this a great opportunity for both you and your listeners, your followers, your clients. So I want to talk today about some of the new ways in which our employers and our health insurance companies are attempting to improve our well-being, because I'm seeing some issues here. This all started when my own health insurance company, I'm with one of the blues, sent me an email with the subject line, improving your health just got easier. And inside was an invitation to take advantage of a personalized digital wellness program that was going to put the power of health in my hands. So by downloading a free well-being app, I could reduce stress, manage a chronic health condition, stay motivated, and be my healthiest self. Now, I'm fortunate enough, at this point anyway, not to be managing a chronic health condition. And to be honest, I find that the work that I do in this podcast and with my own coaching clients, helping others be their healthiest selves 
tends to have a very positive spillover effect on my own health habits. But I really was curious to see how this program was designed and delivered. So I downloaded the app to my phone and I set up my account. Now, you may have gotten a similar invitation from your health insurance company, or if you get your health insurance through your employer, this type of thing may be available through your employee benefits portal or something like that. And most of the insurers and employers who are offering these sorts of well-being benefits are actually partnering with third-party companies who have built these giant wellness platforms, and then they sell them to employers and insurers as a way that they can add value and provide additional services to their employees or their customers to increase their well-being. And obviously, the employers and the insurers are hoping that by providing these services that help people manage their health and maybe nudge them toward healthy behaviors, it's going to reduce healthcare costs. Over the past several years, the marketplace for these wellness platforms has undergone considerable consolidation. Uh, Just a handful of big companies have gradually bought up all the little guys in this space, and they now pretty much dominate this market. So my own insurer has partnered with ShareCare, and they bill themselves as the nation's largest digital wellness platform. And they work with employers, healthcare providers, and health plans to offer guided programs, friendly suggestions, and step-by-step directions to make lifestyle changes feel achievable. Okay, so far so good. So the app serves up some pretty generic advice on healthy living. I, I don't think it's anything that you probably don't already know. Moving around is good for you. Sleep is important. Stress needs to be managed. And then this particular app also includes tools that help you assess and track certain metrics associated with your health, such as your self-reported stress levels or how well you slept and also your diet. And of course, that was the one that I was especially interested in. So clicking that tracker open, I was confronted with a single question. What did you eat today? And then I had my choice of three answers. Answer number one, my diet was well-balanced and included mostly healthy, nutritious foods. Option number two, my diet included some healthy foods, but I also had too much meat, processed foods, or drinks. And option number three, my diet was mostly processed and unhealthy foods. Okay, that's it. The quality of my diet is being assessed on the basis of my answer to that one question. But how am I supposed to answer this question? How would you answer that question given those three answers? So answer number one, my diet was mostly well-balanced. Well, What do they mean by well-balanced? Are we talking about food groups or macronutrients or something else? And it also included mostly healthy and nutritious food. So what exactly does and does not count as a healthy, nutritious food? I have questions. So if I don't feel confident that I can answer that question yes, then the next option is My diet included some healthy foods, whatever those are, but included too much meat, processed foods, or drinks. So 
how much meat is too much? I mean, is meat actually bad for me? And what are we including in our definition of processed foods? I mean, that can be all over the place. What kinds of drinks are we talking about here? So that one's a little unclear. And then we have option number three. My diet was mostly processed and unhealthy foods. So are processed and unhealthy two different categories, each equally harmful? Or is all processed food unhealthy or what? So that's how this question and these answers strike me, and I'm a nutrition professional. So now I'm imagining how this question might land for others. If you're giving your kids ready-to-eat cereal for breakfast, or maybe you're heating up some frozen lasagna, or for that matter, meat for dinner, does that mean that your diet and their diet cannot be considered well-balanced, healthy, or nutritious? Because that seems to be the implication here. And how might this question land on those who really do want to take good care of their health and their family, but they don't always have the time, the access, or other resources that are required to cook all of their meals from scratch? Does that mean that there's just no point in even trying? I really have to wonder how many people are actually being helped by this well-meaning but unbelievably poorly conceived prompt, how many are actually being harmed by this? And with all the resources that these companies have to bring to this project, is this really the best that they can do? Are these the people that we want to put in charge of our well-being? Now, I do want to say I appreciate the attempt to keep it simple, just a single question, right? To their credit, they're not asking us to track and log everything we eat. It's just this one question. But in my opinion, it's a terrible question. Or really, it's not the question that's so terrible. It's the answers. They're unclear, misleading, and ultimately unhelpful. To be fair, figuring out how to nudge people, and not just individual people, but entire populations, how to nudge them to eat healthier, this is a hard nut to crack. So here in the United States, we have a long, expensive, and very poor track record of public policy efforts intended to improve the diet quality of our citizens. As a nation, we've invested millions in public health campaigns and messaging, specifically just urging people to eat more vegetables. Everything from the five-a-day campaign that I remember from when I was in school to the More Matters campaign, to our pyramids and now our plates. And over all of those decades and all those millions of dollars, vegetable consumption has remained stubbornly low, barely changing. The average American still eats just one and a half servings of vegetables a day. And really only one in 10 adults gets the recommended five servings of vegetables on any given day. So whatever we're doing, it's not working. Now, I don't think that means that behavior change isn't possible. It just suggests that we need to design better interventions. And I've spent the last 10 years working on the same question, the same problem. How can I help the people that I serve improve their eating habits in a simple, non-judgmental, and sustainable way? Many of you listening are already familiar with my answer to that question, 
About eight years ago now, I created a free smartphone app called the Nutrition GPA. It features 10 yes or no questions about what you ate today, and those questions are based on the foods and the eating patterns that are most strongly and consistently associated with diet quality and health outcomes. So you answer your questions, you get a grade for the day. But more importantly, we then average those daily grades to calculate your nutritional grade point average. And the goal here is not to have a 4.0 GPA or an A average. My goal is for you to maintain a nutrition GPA anywhere in the B range. But you know what? Even just an upward trend in your nutrition GPA is definitely worth celebrating. And over the years, we have seen that this simple little app has had a very dramatic impact on people's eating habits. So compared with those really kind of pathetic national averages, nutrition GPA users are six times more likely to eat five servings of vegetables on any given day. They're four times more likely to include legumes or nuts in their meal plans. This app has helped thousands of people feel more confident about their ability to make healthier choices, even when their diets include processed foods or meat. Okay, so enough patting myself on the back here. Let's talk about why this approach is as effective as it is, because I think we can use those same insights to leverage all kinds of positive behavior change. So having now been in this field for a long time, I've concluded that in order to be effective in motivating lasting behavior change in any realm, you want to do five things. Number one, you want to instill confidence. People not only need to believe that what you're asking them to do will benefit them, they also need to feel confident that they can actually do it. It needs to be doable. Number two, we need to reduce complexity. People cannot pay attention to everything, and therefore, you need to help them pay attention to the right things. Number three, we want to balance our don'ts with do's. We don't want to just discourage the negative behaviors. We also want to promote positive behaviors. Number four, we need to push back against perfectionism because the all-or-nothing approaches or mindsets that we are often attracted to when we're trying to change our behavior rarely lead to long-term change. And finally, I want to suggest that we focus on means, not extremes. And what I mean by that is our typical behavior because we tend to overestimate the impact of our most extreme behaviors when it's really our most typical or our average behavior that's going to determine our results. So we want to focus on that. So those five principles, plus a whole lot of epidemiological data, underlie the design of the nutrition GPA and its questions. But this could be extrapolated to all kinds of behavior change interventions. So whether you're working on your own health habits or perhaps you support others in promoting behavior change, or maybe you're in charge of a huge digital wellness platform, why not take a look at the programs or the prompts that you're using through this lens? Are they unnecessarily complex? Are they overly or exclusively focused on avoidance or restriction? 
who might feel excluded or intimidated by this approach or how it's being presented. How are you defining success? Is there enough flexibility to accommodate real life and all the different ways that real life looks? And having considered that, how might you tweak your approach to make it simpler, clearer, more accessible, more inclusive, and more sustainable? If our health insurers or employers or coaches aren't asking these questions, do we really want to put them in charge of our well-being? I'm not so sure. By the way, the Nutrition GPA is at the heart of that 30-day nutrition upgrade program that I mentioned at the top of the episode. So over the course of these 30 days, we dig into the science that underlies this app. We practice implementing the approach And I'll be on hand sharing tips and advice and coaching to help all the participants get the most out of this tool. And then at the end of the 30 days, the app continues to support you in maintaining healthier eating habits going forward. So if you'd like to join us, you can register for our upcoming upgrade program by going to changeacademypodcast.com slash upgrade. And if you'd like to chat with me about extending this program to your own community or clients or in your workplace, shoot me an email. We will find a time to connect. All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagel. Our show is produced by me, Brock Armstrong. You'll find links to everything Monica mentioned in today's episode in our show notes, as well as on our website at changeacademypodcast.com, where you can also send us an email or leave us a voicemail. If you're finding this podcast helpful, we hope you'll subscribe or even better, give our show a rating or review in your favorite podcast app. Or, best of all, share this episode with a friend or colleague you think would enjoy it. Now here's to the changes we choose.